1: Wild Turkey, same recipe since
0: 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ 24 On today's show, we're going to be doing a round one progress report for all eight series. Even in the early days of this postseason, we've seen enough surprising results to make me restate my belief that there is no other sport in north america where the playoffs are less predictable and i love that aspect of it i suspect my partner is not feeling that good about things but aj (laughs) we got to muddle through this show and you know what you've had two cup wins when in the history of uh our show so come on chin up pal
0: (laughs) (laughs) no yeah it's uh it's definitely i will talk obviously more when we get there but uh series has not gone quite the way i expected although i'm sure uh lightning fans can uh commiserate with me as well so uh but yeah we'll get into all that but i'm i'm surviving i'm thriving uh you know we'll we'll keep keep moving on and uh you know at this point it might be time to start thinking about next year maybe not there yet but uh we're we're getting pretty close (laughs) but uh yeah before we kick off the rest of the show just use do my usual reminder here uh that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey hockey in general uh you can tweet at us we'll try and answer those for you uh, if your league is all wrapped up you're trying to decide on keepers we can definitely help with that you're playing daily we got some tips for you there as well as paul mentioned you can follow me at ajsholes24 and you can follow paul the Statsman at statsman22
1: all right and let's take a look at the first of those eight series we're going to start in the uh, eastern conference with a look at. Tampa versus Columbus now in the regular season I remember these stats that we posted in the pre in the preamble of this series it said Tampa swept Columbus 3-0 they outscored them 17-3 AJ yet here we are three games in and this is this simply put the most shocking turn of events I've ever seen in an open round opening round of the NHL playoffs in this new format Columbus has swept three games scores of four to three five to one and three to one and uh, tough news for Tampa they were without Victor Hedman in the last game and they're going to be without him in the next game tonight as I understand it so their uh, butts are against the banister as they say and uh, Columbus is full value for this I think they've they've employed a uh, real physical game that's what I uh, an attribute that I see in this forward group that uh, I thought could be a bit of a wild card but never in my wildest dreams could I expect Columbus up 3 nothing at this stage you got to tell me what you think and then we'll go through some of the numbers
0: yeah i mean absolutely I, I did not see uh that coming at all uh you know when a team has you know the the type of season they did um i think a lot of people expected them to kind of just blow through columbus you know the one thing there that that i'll toss in is you know columbus added uh, a number of pieces at, at the deadline there, so it may have just taken a little time for that that all to gel. Um, and obviously, Sergei Bobrovsky is playing out of his mind right now, so that's uh, you know a factor as well. So um, there's some reasons that you can see in Columbus playing as well, but I think Tampa playing quite as poorly uh, is certainly part of it. You know, they didn't have Kucherov for Game Three, uh, and that definitely showed uh, due to his suspension. So, uh, and really, I think Anton Stroman being hurt too is another factor uh, on this blue line that suddenly... Uh, looking pretty leaky at least that's that's how I see it
1: yeah and the numbers you know you pointed to Bobrovsky he's been outstanding in the nets and and the save percentage shows that he's up there at 94 percent. on the flip side and this is really a uh, telltale in my opinion Andrew Vasilevsky with an 866 save percentage he's faced 93 shots he stopped 82 of them that's not good enough at this stage and it's been a part of the whole thing but uh, I, I pointed out uh, in my earlier comments that Victor Hedman's out of the line up And uh, there's no replacing him, AJ, and that that kind of levels things a little bit in terms of the head-to-head matchup. At least on the blue lines, it gives Columbus probably a big edge when you think about it. Uh, the forward ranks, you know, they're not getting a lot of performance from the big names. Uh, you look at nobody's got more than one goal on this team. They're, they've been limited to just uh, five goals over the three games, and that's just unthinkable here. And so, uh, bad time for the offense to come uh, to dry up. And uh, when you're down three, nothing you you're really up against it and uh you know penguins and the, and the and the tampa team are two teams in that in that boat i don't see tampa coming back aj they may win uh, a game tonight and extend it but and even the second one maybe win game five but i don't see them coming all the way back at this stage do you hold out any real hope for this
0: club look i'll i'll, I'll say it this way if there's a team that can do it <laughs> i think it's tampa yeah. um if you're asking me you know there's two teams that are down which one i pick Uh, to make the comeback this year it's certainly tampa they have all the talent uh, and the possibilities here. Do I expect it? Certainly not, um, but if, if anybody can, it'll, it'll be them, I think.
1: Yeah, and for Columbus, you've got to tip your hat to their their offense. Matt Duchesne finally delivering like they thought that he could. Five points in this series to date. Zach Wierenski, a superb defenseman, and Seth Jones, we talked about that pairing all year long, AJ, and they're delivering the goods and, and playing upwards of 25 minutes a game, up uh, 24, 25 minutes each, and uh, happy to see the Nick Foligno is, is healthy and, and leading this squad Josh Anderson uh Boone Jenner they're getting production from guys that that had been a little lax in that in that department for much of the season but uh, good to see for them that the recent additions and even a guy like Artemi Panarin who must have a one foot out the door when you think about it uh, is is committed to this club as playoff run it seems and he's got four points as well so the fact is that the key leaders and the offensive pieces in Tampa are not delivering and Columbus is and then some and uh, the goalie matchup you you've hit it on the head that uh, Vasilevsky is not playing to the level of his counterpart and uh, they say a, goalie, a good goalie can really steal a series, and that's been part of the story here. Why don't you give us a bit of a lead-in into the next series that I have more of an interest in?
0: Yeah, so we're looking at, uh, you know, Toronto and Boston there. Uh, you know, Toronto took uh, the early lead uh, on the road. That, that I think, was a huge win uh, to kind of start the series off right. Obviously, Boston gets the second one at home, uh, and then Maple Leafs get their win uh last night in their first game at home to take a 2-1 series lead so uh pretty even serious you know for my uh kind of analysis on this I, I think I might have said this in the show uh our previous show I think this is a seven game series uh no matter what uh and I think what we're gonna see uh is whichever team comes out of this uh for how physical it's been we'll talk about that a little bit here I know you want to chime in on that um but with how physical the series has been i expect a seven game series neither one of these teams regardless of who wins is going much further in the next round i just don't see uh them coming out you know after this takes a toll so you know that's that's kind of what i'm seeing uh at least but i know you've got a little bit closer look uh you uh were at the game last night so you seen anything different there or do you think this is a seven game series as well well i called
1: leafs in six and i'll tell you why i i think they have to avoid going back to boston and and that uh the history that that'll conjure up for for leaf fans that uh, only two of the current players really played it in the previous two and that's well One of them won't play. That's Nazem Kadri, obviously, but Jake Gardner did. And uh, let's deal with the Kadri thing right off the top. I got to give a mini rant here, AJ. You and I talked about it. You let me blow off some steam about that game. Uh, really it was a Boston effort to intimidate the Leafs and uh, the referees accommodated them in my opinion and everybody that I've spoken to in the media and just friends in general uh, not necessarily Leaf fans have have agreed with me that the referees let that game out of hand take a look at Jake DeBrusk, for instance uh, he had a couple of interactions with Nazem Kadri there was a knee-on-knee hit which Ka- Bruce Cassidy called a shoulder-on-shoulder hit in his post-game uh, presser i guess he needs a rectal octoscopy is what i'm going to say because (laughs) there's no way that that was shoulder on shoulder and his head is nowhere near where it should be if if that's his analysis but uh, that should have been a penalty then uh, his take out of patrick marlow on the rounded part of the boards aj i took a good look last night at where the rounded part of the boards is it's basically outside the field of play and when you get hit into that that's a pretty good Hit. And that's what I thought it should have been a charging call. So that's two penalties. Then he drives Jake Muzzin into the boards, cuts him in the head. He elbows J- Tray, uh, Dermott. He elbows him in the nose. He draws blood. No penalty there. No penalty in the other circle. He should have had three or four additional minors just by himself. And so... Nasim Khadri is looking around, saying, "Are the refs going to call a flipping penalty here?" When they when decide decide not to, he takes justice into his own hands. And I suggested to you that if you and I were line mates and I saw you getting abused like that repeatedly, at a certain point, I'd say, "Screw this! The referees aren't helping out here, so I'm going to take the law into my own hands." And that's what happened. And and I think he got an excessive penalty. I know it was based on his history, but by good my goodness it was also a a terrible effort of officiating that uh, that led to the whole outcome in any case let me get that rant off my chest and out of the way my analysis the Leafs have got to play their game twice the Bruins got to play their game once and that's why it's two to one these teams are evenly matched like you suggested seven game series is what you think it's going to be I think it needs to be six for the Leafs to win they can't afford to lose serve on home ice so I think game four is a vital one on Friday night they got to win that one and it's interesting to note in the long history of the Leafs AJ they have never won games three and games four game four in any one series in their history so they're halfway there and they need to complete that otherwise they're in big trouble
0: yeah I mean that uh I definitely think uh you bring up a good point because if they split that then home ice goes back uh, to Boston for the final three games there and and you know I did pick Boston in seven, so um, I kind of anticipated uh home wins by everybody uh and it carrying on so uh obviously boston uh if they're gonna advance, they need to get that win i'll I'll touch on the Kadri uh you know suspension here a little bit i i I think the suspension was warranted for the hit, especially with the uh you know history here, however. I absolutely agree with you, Paul. In the sense that this could have been better handled by the officiating in the game to prevent this from happening in the first place. Yeah. Now, I didn't watch it nearly as closely as you, so I didn't see everything that, that you pointed out. But definitely, the knee on knee to call that shoulder on shoulder is is you got to be out of your mind. Um, that was definitely a knee on knee hit, and so I see. I can definitely see where Cadre coming from. I think he obviously needs to make a better decision there and needs to, to, you know, play the game and and let your coaches, uh, you know, we tell our guys all this, this all the time, you know, coaching high school hockey, Don't worry about the refs. We'll worry about the refs. You worry about playing on the ice. And that's kind of what needed to happen here. But obviously you can understand why Kadri did what he did um, based on everything that was happening. And so for me, uh, I put it on the officiating uh, that could have prevented it. But I do think this the length and and nature of the suspension was warranted, uh, at least the way I see it Uh, in terms of, you know, Uh, The rest of the guys playing on the ice, Uh, you know, it's interesting that you're getting decent production. Out of the guys you expect, Mitch Marner's got three points, Tavares has three, Matthews has three. Uh, On the other side, uh, it's more of the same, you know, Marchant three, Bergeron two. Uh, Charlie Coyle having two goals might be a bit of a surprise based on uh, some of his slumps during the year. But, you know, you're getting solid guys there. The net minding has been uh, decent. Obviously, uh, Freddie Anderson might want uh, that four goal allowed game two back. But when you face 41 shots, uh, it's kind of hard to blame a guy for letting a couple get into the back of the net. And that's the one concern I have. You look at the three games in this series – Freddie Anderson has faced a combined 115 shots uh, for a .939 save percentage. That's a really high save percentage, yeah. especially when you consider he's given up seven goals mm-hmm. uh, in that stretch. And so, uh, I think the the defense here needs to step up and maybe limit some more shots.
1: Yeah, let's look at the individual players here from another perspective. And you say, look at the depth on the Boston Bruins. It's being challenged right now. AJ, they're missing Marcus Johansson up front. They're missing Sean Corrali a top check. Forward up front. They, I, they expect to get him back in game five, and the sooner they get him, the better to kind of try and shut down at least one of the Leafs' uh, two offensive lines. On the blue line, uh, Connor Clifton is nicked up. Kevin Mil- Miller hasn't made an appearance yet in the series, and neither has John Moore. One of those guys might have to step in to bolster that third pairing of Grisalik and Camphor, which looks pretty weak to me. And then, uh, in terms of the rest of the Boston Bruins defense, I think Zdeno Chara has been a little bit exposed, AJ. Uh, in terms of not being able to cope with the speed of, of the Maple Leafs, he, uh, I've been a little bit surprised at that aspect and that development. Tory Krug, Krug was a victim of a, a big vo- body check, a clean one from Jake Muzzin, uh, by all accounts. And, uh, so he is less than a hundred percent. Charlie McAvoy seems to be the key linchpin on this Boston blue, blue line that needs to deliver. You mentioned they're getting good performance out of Charlie Coyle. The Leafs have countered, but the Patrice Bergeron line effectively too, I think, by putting Tavares up against him and uh, kind of limiting their uh, performances. Uh, David Pasternak not yet a factor in this series. I don't think that's going to going to hold true for much longer and the same can be said for brad marchand they've kept the wing the big line in check patrice bergeron the only one kind of doing anything offensively there on the flip side for the leafs mitch marner has proved that he's head and shoulders the best player on this team and not only for his offensive exploits but because of the the defensive side of the puck if you saw the end of that game he made two blocks in the last minute of play that were outstanding uh, defensive efforts he's playing penalty kill he was upwards of 23 minutes in the last game so there Really leaning on the little guy, and I hope that he can hold up under the rigors of all this. Good to see Matthews wake up a little bit. Uh, Andreas Johnson had a big night for the Leafs last night. Willie Nealander has to play that third line center role. I think it's good for him, AJ, that he's in the middle of the ice and gets a little bit room to wheel. But they're leading. They're leaning on the top two lines heavily. They're giving them about 20 minutes each and uh, splitting the third and fourth line minutes the Leafs are getting great fourth line work from a guy like a Trevor Moore too so I'm really happy with the fact that uh, there's a lot of hands on the rope uh Jake Gardner though missing in action AJ I watched him closely last night and I've not been very complimentary of this guy and I can't be anymore he was uh, detriment every single time he touched the puck last night it was unbelievable and uh, and he just looks lost out there they're limiting him to about 15 minutes a game and uh, that might be even too much so uh, a guy like a Morgan Riley has to play almost double that much he's averaging 25 plus uh, giving them yeoman service and of course Ron Hainsey the underrated uh, defensive defenseman there is also doing a great job so that's my detailed look at the numbers that I see
0: yeah, I mean, it, it definitely I, I think you make a great point uh, there about Gardner uh, in the, that time of ice. You know, part, part of me wonders uh, if some of that is limiting uh, his his, uh, you know, because of the the return from injury, if there's still maybe some lingering issues that maybe he's playing through there. But Uh, Certainly uh, some of those defensive uh, question marks are are certainly a factor as well. And, you know, I I saw Ron Hainsey up front um, when he was with the Penguins a a while back. You know, there's there's probably no better guy out there that can just go out and do his job. Right. He's he's not going to. He's not going to jump up into the play and, and score your goals. This guy's never going to be in consideration for a, a Norris trophy, but uh, defensively on the back end, he'll eat up big minutes. He won't give up, you know, bad opportunities. And so uh, a really, a really great stalwart and, and kudos to you for, for mentioning him. Obviously we try and take a fantasy uh, perspective on this show, but you know, so Hainsey's name's not one that's going to come up mm-hmm. all that often, but uh, you know, the other things he does on the ice, Uh, letting his partner jump into the player is is certainly a a big factor
1: all right let's take a look at the third series as we go into the metro division a little bit washington capitals and the carolina hurricanes washington leads this series two games to one they kind of uh they got off to a good start holding court, uh, serve at home with a pair of wins, 4-2 to two and 4-3, to three. but then they got shellacked in the first home game Carolinas played in the playoffs in a long while, and uh, 5 nothing result. That was a pretty good answer by the Hurricanes, and uh, man, oh man, you think they would plant a big seed of doubt in the Caps if they could ever steal a second home game, but one thing I didn't like, before we go on to the stats and things, I didn't like the fact that uh, Alex Ovechkin tore into... Uh, a youngster Svechnikov last night with a fight apparently Svechnikov asked for it dropped the gloves just uh, challenging Ovi but he almost killed this guy last night in the scrap and uh, it was just not a a very pleasant spectacle to watch Uh, in terms of the People that are doing it for the the Caps, it's the familiar names. Look at Nicholas Backstrom off to three goals and one assist. You've got Genny Kuznetsov three assists. So the center uh, ranks are delivering the goods for the Caps as expected. John Carlson also. So it's the familiar names at the top of the board. Of course, Ovechkin and Wilson are doing their thing. But Brooks pick deserves a bit of a mention. AJ and you know a little bit about this guy's game. In his last hundred or so games, he's only had like four goals, but three of them have been game winners and uh, he has one in this series too so uh, contributing offensively kind of unexpected uh, I think from that standpoint but looking at all the leadership uh, that the Caps have they're all on fire right now and they got to be salivating at the prospect of a playoff run that doesn't have to see them deal with the bolts or the pens right now, if if those series hold true. So a lot of excitement in the nation's capital about this team. But uh, I give kudos also to Carolina for showing up in that last game and making an interesting series. A highlight for them has to be the emergence of Dougie Hamilton, AJ, four points in this series to date, and uh, looking up for all the world like uh, the stalwart defenseman that was drafted a few years ago in that in that same vein and uh, so you give him credit Just Jacob Slavin with four helpers as well this is a deep defense and the strength of this team and uh, they're showing it offensively and defensively in the last game of course but they need to they need the game four is going to be real key here for me uh, the rest of this series
0: yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll touch on that fight a little bit because I actually have a, a different approach. I, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of lambasting Ovechkin for, uh, you know, getting in a fight with this kid. Well, you know, he he initiated it he for from all intents and purposes. Yeah. And so for me, you know, that that's not on Ovechkin. That's not his, you know, his problem. This kid's 19 years old. I don't know what exactly he's thinking there. I'm, I'm not sure I want to go toe to toe with uh, <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin. That's for sure. Um, so I, I put absolutely no blame On Alex Ovechkin for this and let's be very clear anybody who has listened to this show for the last four years uh, knows that I am not an Alex Ovechkin apologist I'm not uh, necessarily a huge fan of his in general but uh, I have to at least uh, put a little bit of uh, you know buffer here let's not say that it's not like he sucker punched him it's not like he drew him into the fight this was two willing combatants squaring off uh so if you want to talk about getting fighting out of hockey in general because of this that's a whole different discussion but as long as it's still uh you know an aspect of the game I think this is two guys squaring off, and you know the result obviously didn't work out well for Sveshnikov. Maybe he'll make different choices next time of who maybe he tries, uh, you know, for fight number two, but. Uh, I have no uh, ill will towards Ovechkin on this one because I think he didn't really do anything wrong other than landing a pretty uh, forceful blow Um, and and maybe it does maybe it raises a bigger discussion about whether or not fighting in general should be happening but as long as it is still a part of the game uh, I got no problem with this
1: all right AJ well uh, why don't you tell us about the series that must be most close to your heart although it must be breaking right now (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i mean so uh we'll talk islanders penguins as as much as i don't really want to uh you know game one i think was the the critical game here the fact that the islanders win that one in overtime uh after penguin the penguins kind of kept fighting back it was One nothing, then one one, then two one for the Islanders, then two two. And it continued on. And the Islanders just always seemed to score that first goal. So uh, I really think that was the tipping point. I think it took a lot of steam out of Pittsburgh. And you saw that uh, in the next two games, the the three one win for the Islanders, followed by the four one. Uh, game three win on Sunday and so for me uh, I, I think this series is pretty much uh, wrapped up and 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 over to be perfectly honest with you uh, I would hope and expect Pittsburgh to maybe win game four tonight at home but I don't see them running the table here like I said if there's one team that will do it it's it's Tampa Bay it's it's not Pittsburgh um, based on what I'm seeing on the ice uh, Paul I'll let you run through some numbers here but uh, just eye test on the game. There's a lot of uh, bad passes by the Penguins The the Islanders are forcing them to kind of make uh, cross ice passes more, more often, or, or t- even two line passes in some instances. And they're kind of forcing them into that and then picking it off. They, they've been very defensively sound. Uh, and Robin Lerner has to get a ton of credit here when the Penguins are getting opportunities. It's just not, he's just shutting them down. They're not able to convert on the other end. I think Matt Murray has been fine uh the the one goal uh, one of the goals over the shoulder uh got to be tied up against the post that's the only bad goal i feel like he's given up uh in this series the rest have been you know kind of situations where you would expect you know odd man rushes that the you know is a bad spot to put your goalie in so uh credit where credit is due the islanders are playing very sound defensively forcing pittsburgh to make mistakes uh and then they've been able to capitalize them
1: yeah and you know what they're getting the islanders are getting production from up and down their lineup jordan eberle i've talked about this guy's hockey iq and you're really seeing it in this series in my opinion he leads the islander attack with three goals two assists total of a plus five he's only averaging about 60. minutes a game and that speaks to the fact that this team may ice the best fourth line in hockey and you can't undersell that too AJ in terms of them setting a physical tone here I don't think the the Penguins really enjoy that aspect of the game as much as the Islanders do And, and really they take their their lead the Islanders from the fact that they have that fourth line capability to play it a bit tough and physical and have people with their heads on the swivel and I want to put put a question to you in terms of the performance of Sidney Crosby I know he's been the focal point of, of the criticism in this series to date but he's getting no help from the wingers there as Simone and Gunsell Gunsel have been no-shows and uh, really uh, what's what's your sense about that particular line AJ and why it's malfunctioning right now?
0: Well so I I think the the biggest thing has been Robin Lerner because Gunsling and- Crosby have had opportunities Mm -hmm. um, to put some points together and and they just haven't been able to to get one uh, into the netting there so I'm not as concerned about that I don't love Dominic Simone on that line on the other side that's where i was Um, getting yeah yeah Jared McCann I think is a perfect uh, uh, person to put in there or Patrick Hornquist I'd love to see either one of those guys take on that role McCann was injured so he did miss uh, I think game two he missed uh, and so that was obviously a factor as well. But for me, uh, I would like to see somebody other than Simone. And I think we will uh, when lines come out today. I'd be surprised if they left him uh, on that right wing with those two guys.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the right wing deployment. And to me, I would think Patrick Hornquist might be a guy that should get a little bit more time based on the fact that I was saying about the physicality of the two teams. He's a pest and, and he would really help. Uh, offset some of the tactics used against Crosby particularly here uh Zach Aston Reese uh riding uh, shotgun with Malkin and Kessel could be a bit of a dark horse in DFS play I suppose if you're looking for value tonight I I like the fact that they've got Kessel and Malkin together again uh, but that leaves the third line a little bit exposed they've been going all season long it seemed to me with the three stars on three separate lines do you like the fact that they've got Malkin and Kessel together right now
0: I absolutely prefer it. I'm, I'm with Phil uh, on this one. It's, it's something that he's been vocal about, uh, you know, uh, preferring that option. And I'd like to have those guys together. I, I know I get what, you know, Mike Sullivan is, is trying to do. there, spreading it out a little bit, but I think Russ Bukestad and, and Hornquist or, uh, you know, Garrett, even Garrett Wilson or Simone Down, whether they flip Um, But I think that's a perfectly capable third line that can produce offensively. And so for me, yeah, I love having Phil and and, and Gino together on the same line.
1: And then to finish up in terms of the Penguins and uh, your analysis, uh, the blue line and the goaltending Matt Murray has been less than spectacular in this series in my opinion the average uh, says three over three goals against you can't really have that particularly with Leonard at the other end of the rink standing on his head the Penguins defense is healthy Uh, the Tang is a yeoman Uh, great uh, at both ends of the ice what are they getting out of the second pairing Jack Johnson Justin Schultz do you like the way they're looking
0: I, I don't. I, th- I think uh, Schultz has been a little more uh, hesitant to, to play uh, an offensively minded game. Uh, it hasn't been there quite as much. Now he does have three points uh, in the series, but uh, you know he's also made some some bad mistakes. You know, one was directly uh, led to a two on one opportunity that the Islanders scored in Game Three. Uh, he kind of jumped up defensively when it, when he had a you know a guy coming back uh, to to play defense. You know. To, back check Um, and so I think he would have been better off stepping back I I think Jack Johnson has been fine uh, since getting healthy scratch that game one Um, but I think the biggest uh, concern for me is actually Brian Dumoulin. Uh, he's looked a little bit out of sorts. Uh, he is just back from from that injury, and so you have to wonder if he's 100% there. Uh, looked Has steadily looked better, so um, hopefully getting all that straightened out, but um, I do find it interesting that we suddenly find Ole Mata on the outside looking in, uh, You know, following the additions of Branson and, and, and Marcus Pedersen, and I actually think that's the right person to be out of the lineup right now. You're not going to take Dumoulin out, even though uh, he is struggling a little bit right now I think Schultz just is the one guy that I would say needs to definitely play better as well and
1: so the Eastern Conference is one of lots of surprises AJ but I think things are more according to what I expected at least on the Western side maybe with one exception we'll get to that in a bit but the Nashville Dallas series I think you myself and Matt Matthew K really handicapped the the Dallas Stars and Nashville correctly here it was going to be a low scoring series that's what we've seen here uh, a trio of one goal games to show you this is a pretty good matchup uh, give credit to Dallas for for playing a very sound defensive structure I didn't think this was something this team was capable of but they're really leaning on the fact that Brian Bishop has uh has been one of the league's better def- better goalies more underrated uh, in the last few years and he's right there with with the goals against average at two in this series uh just over two rather uh in the three games and at the other end of the ice Pecorine is doing Pecorine things and uh, uh, kind of shaking the, the uh, effects of a bad playoff run uh, last year, I guess. Uh, uh, and so that's where it starts for me in terms of the defensive uh, abilities of both clubs here. Uh, Nashville certainly leaning on their defense uh, look at the top of the scoring here there's nobody with more than two points in the in the total of the three games Matthias Eckholm is one of them and P.K. Subban is another one then the other three are forwards. so that shows you that we've been right all along about the fact that the Nashville defense is impactful here at both ends of the ice in terms of the the stars they're getting great work out of their top players Sagan and Ben delivering the goods with the uh, five points between them Matt Zuccarello has been a great addition as it turns out finally started to paint. Dividends from his trade deadline uh, acquisition and uh, the fact that he was missing for a month doesn't really show so far. He's got a pair of goals in the three games here, so uh, really even match up the way I see it. AJ, well, let's uh, let's knock this one around. I'm curious to hear what you have to think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And a very even series, um, a little more even than I than I think I expected. I, I thought Nashville might uh, you know take uh, both games at home and and potentially at least one on the road. Um, But, you know, I think overall, um, the concern I have for Nashville right now is the fact that, you know, you mentioned the defense, uh, you know, stepping into the play, they're Uh, top line here is not giving them much. They've got one goal out of Philip Forsberg. Victor Arvidsson doesn't have anything to show for it. And then you add in uh, injuries to some kind of veteran guys that they brought in uh, via trade and Brian Boyle and Wayne Simmons, who are both considered week to week. Uh, That likely means they're out for at least two more, uh, if if not even beyond that. And so uh, that's going to stretch things out uh, on those kind of deeper lines. I think Austin Watson uh, will continue to to be the guy that i point to that needs to produce for them if if they're gonna um, you know make a deep run here on the other side uh, as you said they're getting that help from their uh, their star players here but uh, from there is where the concern is the other way in the fact that there's not Uh, much outside of that now granted there's not a ton of goals going around because it has been a low scoring series Um, but after Zuccarello you know and and Heiskanen uh, who's been a a great option for them yeah uh, Ben Lovejoy is the only other player out of those kind of top guys that you name that has a point right now, and that's not a guy that's going to rack up a lot of points for you. So, the, on one side, I'm concerned about the stars not playing well. On the other side, I'm concerned about the depth not playing well, and so I think that uh, is going to have us in line here for a very long series and, and another one that could go seven games.
1: I agree with that slant. I don't think there's much that I can add there. You've pretty much covered it all. So, why don't you take us into the next series on the on the docket here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk Jets and Blues next. Uh, You know, St. Louis, kind of the the surprise here with the 2-1 lead, uh, taking both games uh, at – in Winnipeg, which is not an easy place to win when they get fired up there and they do their whiteout. It's definitely an intimidating uh, place to play. But obviously, Winnipeg came back on Sunday uh, and took one on the road. So perhaps this is a road warrior series. uh, And that, you know, could be a a good sign for Winnipeg heading into tonight's game. Uh, I think what you're seeing, you know, in this group is in those first games, there wasn't a lot uh, that uh, the Jets were getting out of those those top producers. Those guys were really pretty much uh, shut down for the most part. Uh, the exception, uh, obviously, being uh, Patrick Line, who has finally discovered yeah. his game after like a month long slump here. Um, but the concern for me is, you know, guys like Kevin Hayes just one goal to show for it. Nikolai Ehlers is pointless. Um, these are guys that are supposed to produce with Line a, uh, in some of those top groupings. And so uh, there's a, a little bit of a concern there, obviously. St. Louis, uh, it starts and stops with their netminder. Uh, I think he, they will go as far as he will take them. Uh, and stymieing that Jets offense is no easy task. Uh, he's going to feel a lot of pressure The rest of the way. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you have a a, a different take. Do you see anything coming out of the the skaters in in St. Louis or is it all Bennington?
1: They have to be alarmed. Bennington has been the guy that's carried the mail in the nets, but I didn't like the fact that he gave up a six spot in that last game. And so you have to think, uh, are they possibly considering a goaltending change there or are they committed to the youngster? They have Jake Allen in the wings. He's been a 60 game player in the past. So a real tough decision and that's for me in the St. Louis end of the ice but uh, you'll have to keep an eye on the things early and and it might be a short hook if if they go with Binnington and if he's shaky at the start they can't afford to lose that second game at home it has the much the same feel for me as the Leafs Boston series game four is a vital one I think and if St. Louis can can kind of hold serve there and maintain that two-game edge I think they're okay but if by chance, Winnipeg gets it. You mentioned about that home ice advantage for them uh, that they normally have, and they stumbled badly at the outset of the series, which I thought was a cl- uh, 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 death knell for them. They rebounded with a key win. If they can double down, they're in good shape. But in terms of the guys that have de- de- delivered the goods for the de- uh, St. Louis Blues, they've gotten yeoman work out of their blue line. They've got eight, nine, uh, t- ten points out of their def- top four defensemen in this series. So a lot of offense from the back end. Uh, Tyler Bozak with a key goal to win a game but Ryan O'Reilly only one goal in three games a minus two we don't expect that Jaden Schwartz one assist to show for his records Braden Chen zeros across the line so uh, St. Louis is ahead in the series despite the fact they're not getting a lot of production out of that top line you mentioned Patrick Laine finally uh, showing his offensive game and reminding us all that he's a premier sniper and he's gotten off the mat in fine shape to ha- kind of lead this offense and it's nice to see Big Buffalo and back in in the groove and participating at both ends of the ice he's got five points in this series AJ and so uh, that to me is a great sign for the Jets like I said if they can level this thing in game four I think they're away to the races but I th- I'll go on, on on record as saying the winner of game four wins this series that's how how clearly important it is uh, uh, in the greater scheme of things and uh, I'll swing us over to Calgary and Colorado. That series stands at uh, two games to one right now, AJ, for Colorado. A bit of a su- surprising turn there. They stole uh, game two in overtime, and that really swung the series in their favor, and they doubled down on that with a resounding 6-2 to two win, and uh, it's, to me, it it's all about Nate McKinnon that guy's been a runaway train in this series and uh, and uh, Calgary's had no answer for him and uh, kind of uh, kind of wonder about the Calgary situation there they uh, allowed this guy to dominate I I thought it could be again drawing a parallel to the Leafs and Boston series maybe it's a it's a situation where strength against strength might might suit uh, Calgary better than uh, what's been happening to date here they got to find a way to shut down uh, the big uh, pivot for colorado and uh, that's where it begins for me and that's where i think we should start our discussion what do you think about this series so far
0: well i i think uh, the the biggest thing here is is like you said it's it's the stars at the top of the lineup here leading the way. Uh, one kind of thing that that is a bit of a surprise. You know, I, I mentioned that uh, Ian Cole uh, has had offensive upside in the past, but not so much anymore. And then he goes off for three assists in in the three games here, and so obviously uh, showing me uh, putting me in my place a little bit there uh, from Ian Cole. But uh, I do think they're getting nice production from a couple other options And than their usual top line, you know, Matt Nito's got three points. JT Confere's got two. Uh, and so there's other guys stepping up and producing. And that includes, uh, their, their young, uh, rookie Kale McCarr, uh, who got his first goal in his first NHL game last night. This is a guy that was playing, uh, in college just a couple weeks ago suddenly finds himself playing in his first NHL game in the playoffs uh, and instantly produces no pressure uh, for him heading into the next game (laughs) after uh, such a performance so uh, I think that's the key for Colorado on the on the flip side you know Mike Smith had an absolutely phenomenal and our listeners know, I am not uh, again, I'm not a big Mike Smith fan in, in general, but he had a phenomenal game one uh, and and really stepped up. I think part of the problem, I don't even put, uh, you know, last night's loss that heavily on him when he faces 56 shots. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yes, the save percentage works out to point eight, nine, three. That's not great. Um, but anybody's going to give up a lot of goals. Uh, when they face that much work and and you look at the numbers you know the first game gets the shutout performance with uh, 26 shots against they lose the next one 39 shots against and then that goes up to 56 so they they're avalanche have steadily been putting more pucks more rubber on mike smith Uh, i would be surprised to see them make the change here based on the number of shots he saw last night Um, but i do think this might be a similar situation where we see a short leash if things start to go sideways in game four uh, he could get the hook here
1: and you make a great point in terms of the shots on goal for calgary they were a top team in the western conference all year long but the shots on goal Tell me that this is not just a short-term issue. It's been that that way for much of the season. Here, they give up a ton. They play a wide-open brand of hockey, and it's surprising when you think about the quality of defenders that they can put on the ice. They're just not protecting their end, and and that's a telltale sign for me that uh, they're in for a big fight here. And and Colorado is getting a little bit more from the the depth of their roster than I anticipated when you think about the likes of J.T. Comfer and Matt Nieto factor uh, factoring into the offense as well as the big line. We also talked about this fact that for a long time it was a one-line team but they're getting production from the depth of their roster and if they can carry that on they're going to stretch the, the flames to the limit, and that's not a good thing uh, for a team that's a contender and a strong contender that was expected to blow this team away. So I'm a little bit surprised at this outcome, and uh, Colorado with the lead, and game four, again, a vital one here. So it just seems that the swing game is coming up in a lot of these series, and so we've got to really pay close attention to the results that could really de- determine the direction of the series.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct on there. And obviously uh, for Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh, game four is vital for them as (laughs) well to avoid uh, being, uh, you know, four and done here. So, uh, you know, we'll kind of transition on from there. I I think we uh, knocked that one out pretty well. We'll talk uh, San Jose and Vegas. You know, Sharks come out take that game one lead uh, but it was a home uh, game for them I would have expected nothing less Uh, Vegas steals game two then they come back home Uh, again I I would not have foreseen Vegas losing that game one at home the atmosphere uh, in the desert there for their home games is just phenomenal I expect more of the same tonight and I think as we've been saying all along, game four critical here. Uh, if Vegas takes a 3-1 lead, that's pretty much, uh, in my opinion, going to wrap this up the rest of the way as they kind of would steal home ice advantage by taking that one uh, on, on the road. And uh, you know, a friend of the show, Daniel Nagrani, tweeted out that he saw Golden Knights in six, uh, and I was definitely on the same page, that they steal one uh, at, at home uh, in the first two, take the two at home. Probably drop game five back in San Jose and then come home for game six and, and lock it up. And I think it's trending in that direction as well here. Um, obviously, you know, the, the one thing that I'll highlight for them is Marc-Andre Fleury. And there's a kind of interesting uh, stat you can look at in his last five outings. If he gives up four goals they've lost if he gives up three uh they win so and i think that's going to be the key the the golden knights have enough offense to get them uh past a, a three goal uh deficit here but any more than that and suddenly i think uh vegas is going to be in in you know a little bit of a more gray area so uh if flurry can keep it to three or less I, I think it's a win for sure for them uh any more than that it gets a little shaky
1: yeah it seems like uh you bet the over in this series AJ and you'll be in good shape there's been uh, seven goals in the first game eight in the second nine in the third uh, I think you are we see, going
0: for 10 in the fourth <laughs> I think you can see
1: more of the same that's right and when you look at it I think San Jose's got a big upper hand here I don't like the goaltending in uh, San Jose right now Marty Jones really struggling again we've seen that all year long he's been uh, trying to straighten things out and really not getting a handle on the net mining situation uh, maybe they do turn to an Aaron Dell here in a surprise start I wouldn't be shocked by that development uh, and and then you know a couple of key uh, other factors Joe Thornton out of the lineup with a one game suspension that has hurt Mark Edward Vlasic uh, being nicked up and missing some time potentially that that hurts as well uh I I, uh, think one of the highlights though for this for me I love a a good scrap and and seeing Kane mix it up with the heavyweight champ in the league and Reeves in my opinion (laughs) that was kind of fun uh, as a bit of a sidebar but really and truly Vegas should take this series and I'd be shocked to see San Jose come back at this stage Uh, the the top two lines in Vegas are a real handful right now. It seems like the Stassny unit, Riley, really finding their groove in this series and leading the parade and scoring. They got a combined 22 points in three games so far and I'm looking for the second line to kind of wake up a little bit I'm I'm going to tip my hand a little bit in terms of my DFS play tonight too in that regard I think it's time for the Carlson unit to to kind of do their fair share they've been kept in check a little bit and I don't think too many teams have been able to do that for too long Uh, four games three games in the books they've combined for a total of three points I think they're going to at least double that figure tonight AJ and and I think put uh, the sharks on the ropes before this one's over
0: yeah, you definitely are, are on to something there. And, and, you know, you mentioned the goaltending. Uh, they've already named Jones' starter for tonight, so he's at least going to get the look tonight. He's already been given the hook once uh, after giving up three goals on just seven shots uh, in game two. I would expect more of the same if this gets any uh, south at all. I think they'll pull him. And I think if they lose game four and he has another bad night, I think you might be right that it, it, you have to consider all of your options. And if they lose game four in a bad night for Marty Jones, it might be time for them to at least consider putting Aaron Dell in the pipes. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. The goaltending is the seems to be, you know, I feel like we've repeated ourselves eight times here. <laughs> game four is the critical one. And the goaltending is the key, but that is how it all shakes out uh, more often than not.
1: And that's our slant so far on the series today. The next time we're going to come back to you is is when the second round matchups are known. So just to keep that note uh, filed in the back of your minds and look forward to the next episode of Puck But we continue today with a FanDuel segment. We bring back FanDuel because there's games to play tonight. And uh, we remind our listeners that over two and a half million players have won cash prizes, including AJ and myself. And now that the baseball season's underway, you can play some baseball bets as well and we invite you to take advantage of all that on our special offer for new users sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw there's four games on top tonight including swing games in a couple of series and other two other games where uh, teams are hoping to fend off elimination the shockers tampa and pittsburgh there tampa goes into columbus seven o'clock Islanders at Pittsburgh at 7:30, Winnipeg at St. Louis at 9:30, and then Vegas hosting the San Jose Sharks at 10:30. So games all night long. I'll be tuning in from seven till about two in the morning. It seems AJ. I know you'll be doing the same thing. I know your heart's in your throat right now, but uh, and you'll be watching Pittsburgh and and the Islanders. But uh, what do you see? Let me see. Let me see. Uh, let me see if we can do a four-game parlay here. What what team is winning each of these four games?
0: Uh, well, I, I just don't see a, a a chance where either Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh is getting swept. I, I think these teams are led by too many veterans that have been here before. Uh, they, they offer too many stars on, on both of those clubs. And so for me, I think Tampa and Pittsburgh both win tonight. Again, I'm not predicting a, a series comeback by either. Uh, side but I think they'll win game four at least and and prolong it here Uh, you know Winnipeg I I think they are starting to figure things out Patrick Line is going I think they'll get the win here again Uh, and then with it being a home game i have to pick uh the golden knights i I think they're just too good at home here so uh for me it's tampa pittsburgh winnipeg and vegas tonight as your winners
1: i'm picking all the home home sites tonight i think tampa's (laughs) gonna go down in flames four game sweep of the president's trophy winners that's a shocking thing to say but i think it's going to happen i think columbus is just too excited right now they got the home fans wired and uh they know they have the champs on the ropes and uh, without Victor Hedman in the lineup, that's a tough road to hoe for the Lightning, I think. Uh, Islanders at Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh does have one last gasp in them and then you'll see it tonight. Uh, they'll give it their best and I think Sydney, Sydney Crosby will be front and center in terms of staving off elimination for the Pens in that one. I think St. Louis is going to take Winnipeg tonight. I, I think this is going to be the first time a home team holds serve and uh, I think the the St. Louis Club is going to ride that to a series victory, which I called at the outset i 'm hopeful that Bennington can stave off the jets, and that 's going to be really the key thing to watch here. Vegas, I think, has too much for San jose and it 's shown in the last couple of games, and uh, I think that continues tonight. So I see a home sweep on the on the horizon. What about the optimizer tonight? How is it set up?
0: Yeah, so uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, given uh, what the first couple of games have shown, the optimizer is going full uh islander stack tonight and it'll start uh you know and then uh splitting actually uh, both sides of that st louis winnipeg uh contest so it starts with ryan o'reilly uh 6400 you mentioned he's been slumping a little bit here but uh you know good opportunity for him to get back uh kind of rolling there and then goes with matthew barzal six thousand dollars that's relatively cheap cost for a top line top power play producer uh like uh as as he is uh and so Uh, Some good center options there without having to break the bank. The optimizer does break the bank, and it's a lone pick outside of uh, the Islanders in that uh, Winnipeg-St. Louis game. It goes with Nikita Kucherov at 8,600. He's back from that suspension, is going to do everything he can to avoid that sweep. Uh, And I think, as you're expecting a big game from uh, Sidney Crosby, I think Kucherov falls into the same category tonight. Optimizer also going with Blake Wheeler for the Jets, uh, 7,600. Another good, uh, you know, top guy there, costing a little bit more. And then for uh, discounts, uh, it likes Jaden Schwartz for St. Louis at five thousand, second line, second power play. Nikolai Ayers, also second line, second power play, 4,700, playing with Patrick Line. I talked about his lack of production so far, but as long as Line continues to produce, uh, there's a chance for Ayers to get some production there as well. The blue line, uh, and actually the rest of the lineup from the optimizer, is all Islanders. It's going Ryan Pollock and Johnny Boychuk, uh, 4,300 for Pollock, 3,600 3, for Johnny Boychuk, uh, pairing those guys up. I don't love those picks. Uh, I don't think the Islanders do a ton from the defensive side of the ice in in fact um, you know that that might be the one part uh, that I would avoid overall but the optimizer uh, obviously knows what it's doing in in terms of the math and the numbers there and then Robin Leonard between the pipes 8500 a relatively uh, cheaper option tonight in terms of the goaltenders Uh, and so you know everybody's a little bit low cost you know there's no nine thousand dollar guy tonight uh, and so robin leonard 8500 rounds it out for the optimizer
1: well i'm going to start with my lineup aj tonight in terms of uh, what i'm going to play on Fanduel, and i'm going to begin with a kind of a a soliloquy about the teams that i think are going to dominate uh, in the tonight's and i'm stacking two of them tonight i'm going to go a big stack on vegas and i'm going to go a big stack on st louis and i had to throw in a filler there and i kind of went against what i talked about earlier so i'll explain it all thusly i'm going to start with the uh, stack of the uh knights by featuring their second line now i guess you got to call it carlson marchesel and uh, and uh, smith uh, rounding out that forward rank I'm going to also fill in Yanni Gurd, Tarasenko, Schwartz uh, is the rest of that uh, forward rank. Ryan O'Reilly as well for for St. Louis in that mix, uh, and then uh, I'm going to finish up on the defense with Shea Theodore and Colton Pareko, forty-eight hundred dollars, forty-nine hundred dollars respectively. There, so leaning heavily on those two teams in goal. I've got Mark Andre Fleury. I think he's the, a lock for a win tonight, and I can't believe he's only priced at eighty-two hundred bucks. The filler is Yanni Gord. I had to pick somebody that made some sense in a top six role for one of the teams. And, and he's the guy that's name, whose name popped up. I think t- Tampa does go down, but maybe they got to score some goals. And, and Gord factors into their offense in a big way. He plays some special teams time uh, as well as the top six role. So that's why I put him in there. So that's the way my team shook up. And I'm uh, kind of looking forward to hearing what you have to say
0: yeah so it's interesting you know we talked off the top uh you're picking st louis tonight i'm picking winnipeg tonight and so that's similarly uh reflected in my lineup and it starts with mike Sh- mark shifley 7700 uh, their top line center uh, in a in a potent power play that's been rolling so far and so i think uh, he'll continue to i've got him going with blake wheeler as well 7600 so those two guys combined. Uh, there and even throwing in Kyle Connor 6,400 his prices dropped a little bit of late uh, it, it peaked earlier in the year and so it's down a little bit so I like uh, I like that fact that I can get that whole line without going over the top uh, and then I am on Vegas tonight as I said and so I've got Stastny and Pacioretty paired up here S- uh, 6,600 for Stastny 6,400 for Pacioretty so uh, some good options there I had to really save some money and so I was trying to think about where I could get some value, and a lot of this is banking on some different lines tonight. You can get Jared McCann at 3800 I don't expect him to slot into that fourth line uh, spot tonight. I might even consider rolling with him, even if he does. That fourth line has been uh, pretty decent of late. They got the lone goal uh, the other day. They're working hard. They're going to see more ice than most fourth lines would right now. Um, But I kind of think, uh, you know, this is, I don't have any, uh, you know, combinations, any insider information here, but just kind of my, uh, you know, feeling is that he's going to move up. Uh, you know, a little bit here. And so at 3,800, I thought he was a steal defensively. I went with Josh Morrissey, 4,000 and Nate Schmidt, 4,200, uh, both guys who can contribute and, and you will see plenty of ice. So uh, those are my blue liners. And then I finish out my Vegas stack, uh, with Mark andre Fleury, I think you're dead on that, that he's the best option for a potential win tonight, uh, and I expect to see big things out of him uh, in shutting down uh, the the Sharks.
1: And AJ, we did kind of a bit of a rant earlier, but, but I want to finish up with the stud of the week. I made it a trio of guys, and I, I'll say this, that uh, your leaders have to lead, and the offensive leaders in Vegas certainly have done that. Paul Stastny with eight points, Mark Stone with eight points, Max Pacioretty with six. They are in a three-way tie-, tie for me as the studs of the week that really lead the parade for the Vegas Knights. They've really got something special there, I think, in that unit. And I told you, their number one line before that has been in the doldrums, and they've been a, still a factor in the series, leading at leading two to one. If they can get production out of the Carlson unit, look out for this team. They're, they're headed for another deep playoff run. But boy, oh boy, they got three stars together on that top unit that are firing right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. I, they are, uh, you know, really working well together and, and everything seems to be clicking for them. You know, obviously we'll have to see how it carries in, uh, you know, deeper into the series. Uh, they kind of ran into some problems last year, but now they've got Statsny, who they signed in the offseason. They've got Stone, who they brought in. Uh, so a little bit different depth uh, here in terms of, of producing. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. AJ,
1: I promise that our listeners will hear from us at the end of this round. And we set up a, a review of the first round and a preamble to the second round that'll be our next show we'll try and get matthew k back on with us to do predictions for the second round and uh, i'm hoping my leafs are in it but i don't have much hope for your pens so maybe you'll jump on my bandwagon uh, for <laughs> a change and we'll see how that looks but uh, for now that wraps up this episode of podcast with statsman and aj please remember to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman22 you can follow aj at ajshows24 we're going to put our lineups online today on our twitter feeds just to help you out a little bit as always we invite you to listen into to podcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research so long everybody